0: This is Kevin. And this is Ron. And this episode of Your Valuable Home is brought to you by Provia. Provia, a faith-based company that makes entry doors, storm doors, patio doors, vinyl and wood-clad vinyl windows, vinyl siding, manufactured stone, and metal roofing, all of incomparable quality. All right, Kev, we got a new show, we got a replay, and we've got Morgan, who just worked her way out of a horror story, right?
1: Yeah, Morgan's on the air with us right now. We had her on a few months back Mm -hmm. when uh, she hired somebody, a bad contractor, to come in and start butchering her house up. Well, one nightmare left after another. So we've been guiding her and helping her in the right direction to get her house back to normal. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're getting close, I believe. So Morgan, thanks for doing this and coming back on.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me, and thank you for all your help.
0: Oh,
1: you're you're very welcome. Are, Thank you.
0: Are things sorting themselves out now, Morgan?
2: Yes, yes. It is uh, literally the term one eighty is exactly what my life is now. So there you go. There you
0: go. yes,
2: the house is looking great. Probably only a couple weeks out from moving back in, which is awesome because at the time I was on the podcast last it was there was no light at the end of the tunnel. So really excited.
0: That's not a good feeling when you don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. Not a good feeling at all.
2: No, and not really having experience with being a homeowner before or even construction in general, I couldn't see what was left to get done. So just having your whole crew come and just step in and help guide me in the right direction was awesome.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. It's a feather in your hat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's it's nice. We're local enough to do this, but for our listeners in California, Texas, uh, Arizona, it's going to be a little more difficult because it's so far away but i can definitely guide you in the right direction the voice i gave you did that really make sense and guide you in the right direction to where you're at now
2: yeah absolutely i mean even down to talking to you the other day about your whole flooring nightmare just trying to better understand how to vet out contractors i think that was the number one issue that i ran into and truthfully i'm still learning through the process is it's really hard to know who you can and can't trust even if they're a great person just trying to understand how their business and work ethic is, and then just understanding if they would be a fit for working with you to help fix your home. I think just even direction from that has been helpful as well.
1: A lot of good salespeople out there. They can sure sell, but can they provide the service and do the work correctly? That's the whole thing. Exactly.
2: And the other thing too, is there's so many different styles in the industry. So Everyone you talk to, they're coming and saying, hey, I would do it this way or do it that way. And not really knowing and being an expert myself, it's hard to vet out who actually knows what they're doing and does things correctly versus not, because you don't really know how things should be done.
0: That's exactly correct. Well, that's a good reason to listen to our show too, right? Morgan? Yes, exactly. Okay. All right. That's a very good point. I mean, you don't know who to listen to. You got to find somebody you can trust, number one. That, that's square mm-hmm. one. Okay. Somebody's got the experience,
1: somebody you can trust. Because if you can't trust them and you feel iffy about them, it's time to say goodbye. Right. It's the most difficult thing for homeowners to do is to try to find somebody they can trust. Yeah. And I'm look, we try to minimize it. There's really no guarantee that somebody's going to come in and give you that ultimate job. Look, it is a difficult business. You were just in a spot where this guy didn't know what he was doing at all. What the the method of applications, what he built, the deck Uh, there were just so many issues. I mean, we had helped out putting the windows and doors in because we were local, so we got some Provia windows and doors and went down there. And through that time, that the drywall everything was getting installed. The prior doors that this guy put in were leaking water. I mean, we're going to say every time it rained, water was pouring in.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we've gotten a lot of rain this year. I think one day I actually almost filled an entire contractor bucket with rainwater inside the house from how bad it was leaking.
0: Well, now you can get rid of that bucket, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That yes, now can. the
2: Provia doors are not leaking at all, so that bucket is finding other use cases.
1: <laughs> it is difficult to do, but again, it's just taking the steps that we do offer here at Your Valuable Home to minimize any problems. But it, it, it is difficult because there's so many contractors in the in the country right now, just in the Pennsylvania area. Yeah, sure. I mean, we have over 100 plus thousand that are registered over the past couple of years. I think we're at like 180,000 close to it, HICPA. HICPA Yeah. So it's a license number that you need. So every time a new contractor opens up, number goes back up again. So my question is for these people that are starting new jobs that are brand new, how do you know you're doing the right job? How do you know you're servicing the homeowner correctly? Believe me, I started 34 years ago. It was a learning experience for me, but I've never did something this bad, which means I would never enter into a business without working for somebody and Learning but, this business, yeah,
0: I know, and you did, and you learned it, and you learned it well. A lot of people don't learn it well, and I think you put your finger on a problem here because electricians have to be—they have to be certified, don't they? Electricians,
1: not in this state, but generally, generally, yeah. But well, you have to know what you're doing. How about plumbers? Plumbers, yeah. Most townships are I mean, now adopting buddy, John a master, John plumber. Is a, is a master, master plumber. plumber. I mean, he had to
0: achieve that designation somehow. But we contractors. There is no training, right? Yeah. There is no training. It's all OJT. You
1: just got to stay at a Holiday Inn Express and you're a contractor. Yeah. So we ought to use that. We ought to call that them is, up. That is, a, that is a general problem in the country. It is. Yeah. It is because a lot of people got, were out of work with COVID. They lost their job. What am I going to do? Well, I, I saw it on YouTube. Maybe I can swing a hammer and take $100,000 of somebody's money and try to do a job. Mm-hmm. And that's what these new companies are doing. They're doing this. But I'm, I'm physically seeing the not poor workmanship, but utterly repulsive workmanship that these guys are doing. I mean, Morgan, when you were getting the house done and he started like, what was one of the first signs you knew there was a big problem with what he was doing?
2: Uh, The biggest sign was actually, it was towards the November and he was working on the deck and he didn't have, he had huge holes where the doors were going to go to my house still open. So all new plumbing, all new HVAC system. And he had, didn't even have anything over the doorway and he's working on the deck outside and it's freezing cold. At that point I said, you know, I don't really know much about homes, but I know that this house should be closed up as we get deeper into winter. Oh, sure. So that was kind of the first red flag for me. And then it, from there, he put the staircase, a temporary staircase in, and he had attached it to my top floor with a door hinge.
4: Oh, that's So annoying. it was
2: completely unsafe. And oh, so kind of those things together was when I really said, OK, let me take a step back get some professionals in here and get a second opinion. Um, And then of course yourself plus the local building inspector just started ripping everything apart. And at that point I realized, okay, this, this this is not a safe situation. I think it's time to move on.
0: You're raising an interesting point because I mean, we're, we're all saying that, well, that's ridiculous, but that's Mm -hmm. something, I mean, had you not seen that and you're going up those stairs, right? Yeah. I can kill somebody.
1: I, I thought John did it. Her dad, I thought he'd put them on there because I didn't think the contract. <laughs> you know what it reminded me of? The Munsters. Remember the Munsters when they opened up segment where the, the steps open up? Right. That's what these steps could do. And it was a long run. I thought mm-hmm. he'd put them on there. They were very shaky. So good news is, Ron, I can tell you this, about two good weeks news, ago. No, no,
0: no, nobody got killed. Nobody yeah. got hurt. Yeah.
1: yeah, so what we did is we got a new set of steps and that was put in about two weeks ago. Dave and I actually went down there to install a set of steps. How to many get steps in. was it? It was just one long run, one very long run. And we got it in place. They did oak treads and risers and then, uh, pine on the side. (laughs) Boy, that was heavy. Oh, we got it it up and uh, you're ready to go. How do you like those steps now?
2: Oh, they're great. I mean, I made a joke. I finally feel like I'm off the boat when I'm walking on them because you literally felt like you're on a boat on water when you were going up the old stairs. So it's awesome.
0: Well, you're fortunate nothing happened.
2: Oh my gosh. I know that was the biggest concern is just every, all the workers carrying things up the stairs. I, I was,
0: Really nervous weight.
2: that at some huh? point yeah at some point someone would get hurt and then it would come back on me oh, I mean, yeah. for a while i had forced him to put the stairs back in for a while he had a ladder extended from my basement floor all the way up to the third floor and that's how all the contractors were getting up and down even having temporary stairs i guess was a little better than that but either way it was still unsafe
1: unbelievable yeah, little door hinges aren't going to hold it up. But yeah, we, I know somebody else stabilized it a little bit further to make sure, but yeah, safety is a big issue and that's why we had to get everything, but it wasn't the steps that really concerned me when I first got out there to look at it. You had your first floor, Mm -hmm. second floor. It's, he had six by six posts from the first to second floor and you could start to see the sag on the floor. And again, it's like the game of Jenga. You don't start in the middle building it. You got to start at the bottom. Right. So as I looked down below, looking from the first floor to the basement, there were no supports. The supports were going so you got to start from the bottom build your first floor basement the first floor first floor to second floor and then all the way I mean, up.
0: all you can do is shake your head at this stuff you know
1: yeah. who thinks of these things i don't know and that's somebody getting hurt that's why we tell people that when you're doing something even if like homeowners and you're diy or if you're doing something you're doing it wrong yeah you might feel that you're going to get a couple years out of it but you're selling that house to somebody else and that house is still going to be there another 50 years from now
0: yeah and it could fail it could hurt somebody too. it hurts somebody yeah. so think yeah. of
1: always think of the future if you're even if you want to be a contractor make sure you're doing the job right because this is life that we're dealing with. Somebody's life could be affected. Wrong electric, catches on fire, uh, no fire stopping in place, the house really burns up quickly. Somebody's life's in jeopardy. So that's what we're trying to do here at the show is try to minimize that so you can live your life and get a job from a contractor and be happy with what he did. That's what I'm looking to do. Mm -hmm. So now we're we're getting close to wrapping up. I know we had talked about giving you the best advice. And Morgan, I guess you bought some used kitchen cabinets somewhere yes and he's yes. so her dad's yelling at me saying you really should have talked to her from her. so they wanted to get to the kitchen and I said they're the kitchen cabinets I didn't know how bad of shape they were they were just used cabinets but we finally talked to her into and, and making a good decision on getting new cabinets and again they weren't that expensive were they
2: Mm-mm. no they were not bad and actually the order was officially placed this morning so it's timely
1: and in two weeks they're going to be in and uh, those cabinets will get done and you'll be back Is that right. Kathy Yeah, 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 I had my designer. I had to call a lot of favors to uh, get her to design this, to get it done. Because, again, they have an option because they know me. But a lot of people don't know because they're not in the area, depending on where this podcast is, you're listening to it. Uh, So it's that availability of knowing people. The thing is, when you're going to be doing contracting and you're a homeowner, where do you start? And that's what we should really focus on. Where's the best place to start? Try to find the right contract. How do you vet them out? So maybe we should really look into uh, helping the people across America to do this.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, we've had, we've talked about it many, many times, and we should talk about it. We'll be talking about it uh, forever, because it's a forever problem. Right. A forever problem. Right,
1: because they didn't know, and I've been off with John yeah. for a few years now. Yeah. And uh, again, taking that decision. But it's a leap of faith that uh, I guess, Morgan, you can attest to that I helped you and guided you in the right way. And I, I guess it is a pretty good success story. Because we moved along, we've got it, we passed all of our inspections, and uh, everything's ready to go.
2: Yeah, and honestly, I'm, I'm so blessed to have someone like you that can help guide me through. And it, may, it makes me sad that there's definitely some new homeowners out there, even people who are on their second or third home that don't have a resource like you and they're still getting roped into these situations with contractors. So it's awesome. You have the show just to help guide people in the right direction on the vetting process.
1: So I, I got to say this, the one thing when we were when they work working, we were putting the windows in and I was talking to her about the kitchen and the cabinets and her husband or her dad, John was walking by my buddy. And I said to her, I said, well, listen, why don't you just take a HELOC out? Do you have a HELOC? Out of the blue of the corner of my eye, I see John raising his hand going, yeah, it's me. <laughs> so <laughs> As I guess that you had to be there moment, but it was funny that I'm, I'm just glad everything's going in the right direction because when you're done and you move in, the bottom line is you want to be completely happy with it. To try oh, to cut exactly. corners this far into it yeah. is going to be a bigger mistake yeah. than to try to retrofit because I believe you don't want to go through this construction anymore. You want to be done and that's it?
2: Yeah, I, I want to be done. I think having to start over, rip something up, do it again, or even say, hey, I'll just do it this way and fix it again later. It, at this point, I've learned it's just it costs more in the end and like once you're done, you want to be settled. You don't want to say, okay, time to start it again. You just want to be done.
1: Perfect. Well said. Yeah. Well said. Well, thanks for coming back on. I'm glad you're moving in the right direction. I'm uh, looking forward to the big part of your house this summer.
0: What are the latest scams and cheekdowns? Let's find
3: out with Ron and Kevin it's the Bad Guy
1: Bulletin. All right Ron, now it's time for a plethora of horror stories that we always come up with and it's the Bad Guy Bulletin. The Bad
0: Guy Bulletin. The Bad Guy Bulletin. Boy, I said the bad guys must be working overtime. Well, first thing we're going to do and, and I want to welcome Mark Ferber back. You've been busy going after bad guys. We appreciate that in Bucks County. Mark is in the DA's office in Bucks County, very active DA's office. Mark, welcome back to the show and welcome to the Bad Guy Bulletin again. Thanks for having me back. It's great to be here. What I'd like to do is get some comments from you. First of all, you I think you heard her story. Stephanie, she happens to be a daughter of uh, good friends of mine who now live in Hawaii. I'm going to refer everybody back, all our listeners back, to the 317 show that we did. It was just like really a heart-wrenching story of giving all her belongings, wanting to move out of New York to a mover, and that was the end of everything she owned. I'd like you to comment on that, and she was thinking about getting a congressman involved to see what she can be done, because everybody just stonewalled her. Nobody knows where any of her stuff is. It's all gone. What can people do if they find themselves in a situation like this? And we talked to Mike Bannon about it, and he said it's not, a, it's not an isolated problem. It's a national problem, yeah. What can people do to protect themselves against stuff like that?
4: Well, it's a horrible situation. I mean, and I've encountered it as as a prosecutor where people have had all their possessions taken from them and essentially, in, in some cases, held hostage. In Pennsylvania, we're, we're lucky enough to have the um, PUC, the Public Utility Commission, which oversees moving companies. So I actually had a case a number of years ago involving a moving company that was unlicensed in Pennsylvania movers are required to be licensed by the Pennsylvania uh, Public Utility uh, Commission. This particular moving company had, in fact, moved the customer's items, had him sign a contract. And then when it came time for delivery, the moving company held the items hostage and demanded more money. We found out, of course, that this moving company was unlicensed. And in fact, it was their third violation. This particular mover had been cited twice prior for violating the law law that requires licensure for uh, public movers. We prosecuted him. He was actually sentenced to jail time, which... Uh Certainly was a first uh, for Bucks County. I think it may have been a first uh, in the state of Pennsylvania that we had someone actually sent to jail for this, but it was deserved. We were able to get him to return the money to the customer and get the customer's furniture back. It's, it's a horrible situation.
0: And, oh, she never got her stuff back. She never got, any, never got anything, anything back. back. Any, lost everything she had. She lost all her business records, which were packed up and put in the truck because she was going to put
4: them in storage until she figured out where she was going to move. It's sickening. In Pennsylvania, certainly, because we have this licensure requirement, you can go on to the uh, Public Utilities Commission and check to see if a mover is licensed. There are certain things you want to look for certainly in, in Pennsylvania, including potential, you know, movers you're, that you're considering hiring per, that they provide a written estimate. They're required to give you a form called Information for Shippers. that has certain limitations on what they can charge and what um, you pay up front. There's insurance that's required. You know, you can file a complaint also with the Public Utilities Commission, which could result in arrest and prosecution, as was done in the case I prosecuted. But It's something you do need, just as when you hire a contractor. Uh, You need to be diligent about it. You need to research these people, make sure they're licensed properly according to the state that they practice in, that they operate in, and that they're complying with all the, the laws.
0: You know, you said in Pennsylvania, the PUC is the governing agency, I guess, for this sort of thing. Doesn't every state have somebody who tracks these
4: people? One would think. I'm not familiar with other states, since obviously I p- practice here in Pennsylvania, but the POC here in, in Pennsylvania created a specific legislation that was created with regard to moving companies. I would imagine that most states have something similar. I mean, this is a, an industry where fraud... It's just rife for fraud. I think that's why we have this here in Pennsylvania. I would certainly hope that most states, if they don't have something like this, that they would consider, you know, enacting legislation to, to protect consumers.
0: i dr- drag everybody back again to that date. That's 317. You shouldn't listen to uh, Stephanie's story of how her, all of everything she owned was taken away from her. I don't think she ever mentioned anything about the PUC. I'm going to bring that up with her. Be interesting. Maybe she didn't know it. And maybe the PUC in New York doesn't do it, which would
1: be a big ouch, wouldn't it? Well, if the company goes out of business, uh, I mean, there's still a lot of ways to get around that fraud. I mean, Mark, don't you agree? You could have a a fake name, fake address if somebody's not doing their job to verify that 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 person's not there. Well, that's
0: true. But uh, at least it is some sort of protection against this sort of thing. It helps. Yeah, it helps. absolutely helps. Well, it, it helped in the case that you won, right, Mark?
4: That's right. It, it absolutely did. Yeah. You know, and and I think the other aspect is um, involving a local police department. Certainly here in Bucks County, you know, the PUC worked with local authorities, you know, to arrest this mover who was holding this things hostage. And eventually, he had agreed to release the items, to refund a portion of the money. They set up a time. They got the customer stuff back but they all served in a warrant and took uh, the defendant into custody on that date. So it was, it was nice. It all worked out together. Down the road, it was kind of an, an interesting situation. The judge had given this mover a date to report to jail. He actually didn't show up, and we had to um, go and find him and uh, bring him to jail uh, against his will, and he ended up doing more time behind bars. Wow.
1: Not a smart criminal here. That's
0: not, not, not a smart criminal at all, no.
4: I mean,
1: if you're going yeah. to jail,
0: from you want to show up on that day. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah.
0: All right, well, I am going to pass this on to Stephanie, and it's, it's worth her listening to this uh, to this show as well. Since it is the bad guy bulletin, I'm going to bring up a couple of things. that <laughs> <laughs> Happened to you again. Happened to me again. Sure. I am sitting here right now in the studio. I'm looking at it with a check for $9,367.58. A live check. It's a live check. And it came with this wonderful information that I got here. Congratulations. <laughs> I've won the publisher's clearinghouse House sweepstakes. Um, Congratulations. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> and and this is to defray some of my expenses that I'm going to have with this, right? I call Publishers Clearinghouse and I said, whatever you do, we do not cash that check. Don't put it in your bank because they will suck everything out of your account that they can. Yes. And it, I, I I can't imagine, and you know, what I can imagine is some people going for this. Have you heard about this scam?
4: Absolutely, and and different versions of it. But you know, you you hit the nail on the head. What these uh, scammers are looking for are for people to go ahead and and deposit the check. What all they want is some information that you know puts them into your bank account. So once you deposit that check, you're going to think it's a it's a good check, eh? Deposited they're going to have, you know, your information, they're going to be able to access your bank account. Uh, You know, they may make a request for you to make certain withdrawals and send some money their way, but they are looking for access to your financial information. And and this is just the way that they do that. This is their inroad into your accounts. Unbelievable. And I'm sure a lot of people go for this, don't they? Absolutely. I mean, it, it, uh, it looks good on his face and then you know, it clears, you may, may even think it sounds too good to be true, but might as well give it a shot. Unbelievable. Here's another one for you. <laughs>
0: word for you. I keep getting these things. That's right, they're all yours. Know, I don't know why. I mean, it starts off with, hello, PayPal user, here's your invoice. Sony assistance plus one, and there's an 800 number, sent you an invoice for $438.30. A, I don't have a PayPal account. And it's for seller note to consumer Sony Bluetooth noise black. And there's a model number here purchased from online Sony outlet for $487 USD. But the invoice it's, it says 487 here up front, it says it's 438.30. So <laughs> you got a they, discount they, if they you pay early, they, <laughs> discount because I read to the bottom of the page, to the top of the page. So, I mean. I, I get these things all the time do people go for these things
4: they do they do and and, and it's the same situation they're gonna have uh, a link for you to click or a number to call to oh, yeah. to make a payment <laughs> oh yeah. and they're gonna have your information uh, they're gonna you know get your your uh, your routing number, your your uh, debit card number, your credit card number, and, and they're going to drain whatever they can as quickly as they can. But there are many, many scams out there that, that appear to use legitimate businesses such as PayPal, bank uh, information, financial institutions. At first glance, it may appear to be legitimate, but you always have to step back and take a second look at it. Sometimes it takes nothing else than Googling the scam and you will see it pop up that this is a known scam, uh, out here and, some of the language, but that, you know, that there's a lot of red flags in there. They can't even get the amount straight that they listed in the beginning. <laughs> and at the end, you know, listing it in us dollars, it's, it's like, well, yeah, we're here in the United States.
1: So most of these are coming from overseas. I'm presuming if they say that on there,
4: you know, not all, you. but there is quite a bit of overseas connection that we see with a lot of these scams.
0: I'll tell you, the last two I got, and there's one, they were both in envelopes that Mm. were postmarked in Canada. A word to the wise, be on the lookout for that. You know what? In this one here, where Sony is requesting the 400, whatever the amount is, uh, there's a nice big button that says, view and pay Invoice."
1: Yeah, click on that.
0: Click on that, thank it's all you for over. shopping.
1: It's all over. Yeah, okay, you absolutely. have Kevin's got a couple here too today, right? You have at least one, right? Yeah, I had one. It was an email they had sent to me, and it said your bill is due, and I didn't even know the name of the company. <laughs> and I you just look at the things. I know not to click on anything, but I didn't click on it through my email. But what I did is I actually used my landline and called the company, just a number there because I figured they're going to be asking for all this information. Nobody ever picked up. So I guess they're not getting their $438 they were asking me for and something. I don't even know what it was. I don't even deal with that company. What were they billing? Uh, they said they're going to bill my credit card. They had no idea what credit card I had, though. They said the credit card. The
0: credit card. Yeah, okay.
1: Okay, that's good. They're billing my credit card. So that's why I figured I'd give it a call. But yeah, I, I know, listener to uh, you and Mike, that you don't want to do that. Never click on something you just don't know. Delete it and that's get right. it out as fast as possible. Well, the
0: check thing, I'll tell you something. Uh, You're rich. I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people go for this. It's, it's like a dream come true. You know, I'm sure a lot of people
1: go for it. Mark, do you think a bank, when they see that, are going to let the patron know that that's probably fraud? Or is that something banks No, no, know? no,
0: no, no. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. And Mark, this is something probably you should know too. This check is drawn on, drawn was drawn by a, a legit company in Pittsburgh, PA. Right? And made out to me. And, and my address is on here too. And uh, payable by Wells Fargo. See, it's a legit company. I don't even know if the, I don't know. Maybe the company's involved. I doubt it.
1: But how did that happen? Well, as Wells Fargo spelled W E L S. Oh no
0: no 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 no. Yeah, W E L W E L L S. Oh, it's spelled correctly. Yeah, spelled everything's everything's right with this thing. And the person I got on the phone because I reported it immediately, and they reported then to I think it's the F um, FTC, right? Yes, uh, And he said, yeah, it's a live check. Do not do whatever yeah. you do. Don't cash your check. Don't cash your check. Because you'll have all sorts of problems after that.
1: So the bad guy bulletin should be Ron's bad guy bulletin.
0: <laughs> well, you got, you, got up there. you know what? From now on, I'm going to forward all this stuff to you.
1: <laughs> Great.
4: Send me that money. I I've, give had, you it, I've <laughs> had enough of
0: it. I've had enough of it.
4: Well, you know, I've, I've certainly personally received a, a large number of, of, of scam email, emails, I I get them every day, and you know, even though I'm I'm so well versed in them, there's there's a a part of me that just it, there's a visceral visceral reaction when I see them. When you see something like, you know, your McAfee subscription has expired, <laughs> I, I get that one off, right. and, and I know it's a scam, but but there's part of me that says, uh oh, what am I going to do about this? And, and that's, I think, what they're looking for, for, is for people to have this visceral reaction and say, uh-oh, I have to click on this. I have to rectify this situation. And I think, more than anything, that's what people that hear about these scams that are educating themselves about them have to do, is take a step back. You can't you know, have this visceral reaction to it. You have to do your due diligence you know, before responding to anything that you get in your inbox.
0: That's an absolutely outstanding point. Outstanding point. Do not get excited by that, by all this stuff. Don't think you know, you just won the lottery or whatever. Step back, evaluate it. If it's coming from somebody like Publishers Clearing House, call them. Say, do you guys know anything about this? And chances absolutely. Are you gonna say, and the, the guy I got on the phone immediately said it's a scam. Do not do yeah. not react. Right.
1: Yeah. So, just be safe out there.
4: We get new complaints every week uh, that we're investigating and, and prosecuting. It just astounds me that, you know, how blatant, you know, some of these fraudulent contractors, their greed knows no bounds. So we're we're continuing to fight them and bring them to court and hold them accountable. Well,
1: thank you for all you do. We'll be back right after this break.
0: Kev, is it hard for clients planning large exterior projects to visualize how the colors and textures work together?
1: It used to be, especially when they mix products from different manufacturers. Provia's new website and broad selection of exterior products make my job easy. Clients' faces light up as they choose all the products needed to give their home's exterior a now look with Provia's product line and their amazing new website. We use their visualizer right from my laptop.
0: Hey, the site is amazing. Provia makes color selection a breeze. The website has eight suggested exterior color schemes that can be applied to Provia products. Or, customers can choose shades from any palette to suit their own tastes. The Design Center tab must be a great tool for you in visualizing how all Provia products work in harmony based on window and door configuration, siding, stone, and
1: metal roofing color and style it's brilliant you can see how provia products work together on a sample home or a photo of a client's own home then you save the work with the my portfolio tab the site even lets me take exterior measurements the new provia.com and an expansive line of exterior products deliver
0: on provia's mission which is to serve by caring for details and ways others won't
1: for updating home exteriors our listeners should go to provia.com slash yvh first and visualize the possibilities Okay, Ron, it's now time for another amazing featured segment. I know you got somebody great ready to talk about. Yeah,
0: every time every time Ilya comes on, he, yeah. he phenomenal his he's podcast rock star at this point. So we're very fortunate that they have a great friend of your valuable home, a well known proponent of sustainable, resilient building practices, and that's Ilya Azaroff. Okay. Ilya is the founding principal of PlusLab Lab Architect, PLC, and architecture practice with offices in New York and in LA. He was the 19 uh, or the 2021 president of the American Institute of Architects in New York State and served as a delegate to at large for the UN to COP27, the 27th conference of the parties to the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. Big deal. And that was held uh, last winter in um, in Sharm el-Sheikh in Egypt. Okay, but today we're going to focus on Buildings of Excellence, a competition conducted uh, by the New York State Energy Research uh, and Development Authority, it's NYSERDA, N Y S E R D A, mm-hmm. to recognize and reward the design, construction, and operation of clean, resilient, and uh, carbon-neutral-ready multifamily buildings. Okay, and it was all about multifamily buildings. This competition, the competition attracts visionary architects and developers, and related services and miser and juror for the Buildings of Excellence program. his overall goal is to help New Yorkers increase energy efficiency, save money, use renewable energy, and reduce reliance on fossil fuels. Ilya, it's great to have you back on Your Valuable Home. What's the backstory on the Buildings of Excellence, and how long have you been involved with the program? Well, hey guys, it's uh, it's great to be back. and thanks, Ron. Um, you know um, I've been
3: involved with this program for gosh, I'm guessing about the last three years, and it's been in existence for three rounds. Um, I've had a really good opportunity to sit on this, this uh, in this this position as a technical expert that kind of evaluates the competition entries and I've seen this program evolve over time to include resilient measures, and that's primarily why they had me come on. How do you balance? sustainability and resilience and uh, most recently they added a blue ribbon panel that looks at the overall design excellence that combines design aesthetics along with the building performance these last three years and that this it's been a great great program to be a part of
0: All the stuff that's happening in terms of this and other things that have to do with weather are coming out of states on the east coast new york new jersey uh, North Carolina, Maine, South Carolina, and it's just—it's uh, interesting to see that that happening. It's sort of like a phenomenon that's happening. But the goal of the competition here, and again, it's the Buildings of Excellence program, is to promote the development of uh, carbon-neutral buildings in the state. But don't these structures also provide New Yorkers of modest means with uh, moderately uh, priced housing? It does, and I think that's
3: exactly where we need to go this this program is really aimed at what we're facing all across the u.s and you hit it on the head you know we're it's not just here in the in the northeast or the east coast or the coastal communities that are experiencing these uh, impacts of climate uh that's driving up a lot of pricing um, but this competition it really promotes new affordable housing and ultimately if you design a better building or an excellent building in this case it keeps the money in your pocket. If you're the renter or the homeowner, it lowers operation costs uh, f- through better buildings, more efficient buildings, uh, more reliable buildings. That that keeps your money in your pocket and gives you a greater sort of degree of equity throughout this entire thing. So um, I also think there's another kind of overarching goal to this program that at some point maybe we should discuss is that um, – You know, New York State is moving rapidly towards performance-based codes, um, and the the state is committed to achieving net zero by mid-century. And the question on all of our minds as architects and engineers and builders and code officials is kind of how do we get there? And so I think this, this program serves those two purposes. One is equity for the common New Yorker. How do we really get there? And then the other piece is addressing these challenges that we all all face and commitments to that um, net zero by mid-century.
0: So would this put, and I think it's a, a very, very lofty objective and something that's totally needed, would this put New York at the cutting edge of that, let's call it a movement? Uh, you know,
3: I th- I'd like to think so. I think that my colleagues at NYSERDA and a lot of the people who are part of this challenge are, are bearing that out. I think, it's, we're one of several states, the, the rare few that are really getting at this. And New York State has, has really gone after it. Uh, you know, the governor committed to having by 2050, 80, 85% of all homes, commercial building spaces statewide need to be electrified, but also energy efficient um, to a degree that we get to this net zero. That's pretty far out there um, in terms of, of governance and, and goals. So I, I'd like to think so.
0: Well, you know what? If, there's, if, there's, if it's needed in a particular place or state, New York is definitely that place because, uh, you know, the place of housing in, in, in Manhattan, well, in the five boroughs, right? It's off the charts. So yeah. uh, how do people live? You know, how do people live there? How do people live in San Francisco? How do people live in L.A.? Boston? This is a very, very uh, hopeful sign. For the United States of America, I think.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think it's a, I think it's a game changer that we, you know, we we have to get there. So there's the carrot and the stick. You know, there's the the, the carrot is this program's it out there, and the stick is if we don't get there, uh, there's a lot of consequences that you and I have talked about on past programs that yeah. is not not savory.
0: Hmm. Well, let's get back to the, the competition, and uh, you know, I like to get into this the the bigger the bigger picture with you too we'll, we'll talk about that at the end of this uh, what wasn't the the most recent competition wasn't that all focused on multifamily housing
3: it it was and you know there's a lot of just about any building is is uh, is eligible to go into buildings of excellence but the focus on multifamily housing is extraordinary because you know we have a massive housing shortage in the U S and it's been building for for decades. Uh, it's you know you see some sources are looking at 6.5 million uh, homes as a shortage. Uh, that's our shortfall, and that ranges from single family to you know uh, multifamily homes. And let's be clear that single family homes are some of the most unregulated construction typologies throughout the U.S. Depending on what state you are, so. Um, That ultimately hurts homeowners and renters in terms of expenses, operation costs, and reliability. So, this competition really focusing on sustainability, densification, uh, making sure that uh, a multifamily home can not only be affordable in the short run, but also in the long run, is, is really the goal of this program, and to give us the opportunity to see how that plays out for some of the most vulnerable economic economically new yorkers as well as vulnerable populations or even just on the lower income side is is extraordinary and i think that's uh, kudos to the to the governor's office for putting this forward but i think also to the design teams that came forward to create these uh, incredible buildings
0: Hmm. yeah and we're going to get into some of the buildings some of the big winners um uh, but first I understand that uh, eight million of the thirteen million in prize money uh, in this round three went to recipients who are building affordable housing. So affordable housing is, is a real theme in New York, right?
3: Yeah, it okay. is. It is. And we need a lot of it, um, and that's true. All
0: right. The, I, I also understand that uh, was ten of the fourteen winners will seek passive house certification, which is yes. Yeah. So, that's where that's where it's all going, isn't it?
3: It, it It is in, in some of the ways. The passive house certification is, is really something that hits sustainability and resilience all at once. And if you think about a passive house, meaning that you use, say, one-tenth the energy of a common house that's out there in the U.S. today. Think about that. One-tenth. I, I pay one-tenth in my bills and operation costs for energy for heating and cooling and, and lighting and all of those things because – Passive design is is achieved, so that's true. In this case, most of these buildings are going after uh, passive house certification, um, and and to get there, it's, it has a it has a difficult road. But when you do get there, the payoff is extraordinary.
0: Isn't LED certification? Isn't that it now? And is it's going to passive home certification?
3: yeah they're, you know, so they're a little bit different um lead or um, as you refer to the leadership in energy and in environmental design uh, it's the most um, widely used green building rating certification in the world. And that one looks at everything from material use um, to not just energy efficiency, but uh, sustainable aspects of of it, including air quality and several other items. And it's a great certification that's out there. Now, Passive House, in my mind, takes it one step further. It goes to this the heart of of, um, where we need to go to get to net zero. Sustainability gets us part of the way there. To get to net zero... We have to really look at energy profiles and performance-based codes that I referred to to ensure that um, we're using the least amount of energy and producing our own energy on the site to get that into balance. And um, that's kind of of where we're at. Uh, For passive house, you know, here's kind of the difference is that there's typical things you see in a passive house. One is a super insulated envelope. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter if you're in a hot climate or a cold climate. Mm-hmm. Your interior is guarded against those massive swings in temperature that are outside, um, a heat wave or a cold wave or whatever it may be. And they have really good airtight construction and then high-performance windows and doors. If you think about those three things together and a few other, mm-hmm. other elements that go with it, those three things, you're really kind of making yourself um, immune to the issues that are going on outside the building. Yet you're trying to align with the environment um, as best you can. Um, that's the that's the the two things I love about LEED as well as Passive House.
0: So actually, these buildings of excellence projects represent better living alternatives and a market shift. Then, right, multifamily housing construction.
3: Yeah, I, and you know the market shift is a big deal. And then, well, I'm going to get back second, because this idea of better living uh, is is really better choices. You factor in the energy performance, thermal performance, and comfort, and that equates to me equity, equity in all standards of of living. You have more money in in your pocket at the end of every month. That bears out in in the, the operational costs and your use on a daily basis, but what we're seeing in these buildings is that the cost of construction is also bearing out that the that uh, these buildings do not significantly cost more um, because of the way that we're getting at this as architects and engineers in the building industry. We're finally getting to a place where we understand the methodology of building to get to a better place. And so what that brings me to is your second part is, is market shift. You know, in, so the governor's office, has, has said, by 20, 2050... Um, the state's commitment to economy-wide carbon neutrality by 2050 is, is absolutely now part of New York State um, uh, Climate Act. And what that means is that statewide, we have to go to electrified buildings. We have to use energy-efficient heat pumps. Uh, we have to go to a thermal energy network that um, really supports this idea of, of market transformation to get there. And these buildings begin to show that example of kind of where we must go, because none of these kind of buildings, you may, there might be one here or there, but to get them to exist in a, in a much greater capacity that I can point at them and say, hey, developer, or hey, um, if I'm a homeowner, hey, look, there's a building that already does this. It performs that way, and we have to get there. These are the really good examples that are coming forward, and I think that's really important to, to note, that market transformation is just getting in a swing, and I would guess in the next five to seven years, it's going to get into full swing, and and that's going to be something incredible to see.
0: So, for our listeners out there, and in New York State as well, there are good changes coming in terms of how houses are built, how they're how they're powered, how they're heated, how they're cooled, all that stuff, and it all results in better for less cost. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's an encouraging yeah. sign. Absolutely. I did a lot of work in Silicon Valley with tech uh, industry years ago when I was in the ad business. And uh, people, a lot of people that, uh, like firefighters, police officers, so on and so forth, yeah. people in service uh, businesses couldn't live in Silicon Valley. Even then, I mean, the prices were out of out of sight out there, much, much more out of sight and out of control than they were in, in, even in New York today, okay? And uh, it's an encouraging sign because uh, if if price of living comes down, uh, price of housing comes down, those people can live in environments where they work eventually.
3: Yeah, no, I agree. One would hope that that's the direction we need to get.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Weren't all the buildings in this third round of Buildings of Excellence program, that's New York's program again, powered by heat pumps? Yes. Hmm.
3: Isn't that a market transformation right there?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I had a heat pump in my house before this house. House that I lived in for twenty three years in Newtown, it was it was spotty. You know, on a really cold day, you'd be cold in the house. So I'm taking it that heat pump technology has made
1: massive leaps and yes. bounds, right?
3: Yes, it, it it has. Now, look, I'm not, I'm not an expert um, on heat pumps, but it's really important to to understand that there are two things that are driving this. One is exactly what you just said. The advancement in heat pump technology, just reading the specifications, is is extraordinary. But one other thing is, is, is that the state has committed to accelerating energy efficiency and end-use electrification mechanisms to foster approximately 1 to 2 million homes, transitioning to clean heating and cooling by 2030. So we're already at 2023. Within the next seven years, New York State, the government and the energy authority, NYSERDA, is supporting this transition. And so heat pumps are one of the major elements that are, that are part of that. And I think the industry has responded by putting together better products for us. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm in my own projects. We're putting in heat pumps in several uh, single-family houses and some multifamily buildings because they make a lot of sense. And our engineers are working with are saying the same thing. So this has been a big change just in the past, like, five, six years. Uh, these, this equipment has become so much more efficient. It's also become much more affordable.
0: Have you seen it, Kev? Because you, you work on a lot of, you know. Oh, the heat puts, pumps, it. yeah,
1: absolutely. Really? Yeah, there, there's two questions that I always ask myself One, when we always talk about this. And, and I'm not sure if you get the, the total answer to this, but, yeah, I do agree that the the heat pumps are much more efficient. From back in the 80s, you only get like 78 to 82 degree air that was pushing through. And it was oh, definitely running a lot more heat when it went on auxiliary. But being more efficient, right. then I always tell people, then when we look at the whole broad of things. Now, again, this is probably a little bit off the topic, but even though it's a heat pump, which is clean energy, where is that energy coming from supplying the power company to feed exactly. that energy? So that's why I always try to look back and I like to see the whole picture of where we're gonna be going with this. So I like to see what, when people are having a path to go with for clean energy is what's that path where to start at to get that energy for these products.
4: Good yeah,
3: question. And I think, yeah, and I think Kevin, you, you hit it on the head because those yeah. same same projects um, that, that you mentioned, yes, all of them have heat pumps. 10 of those projects have solar PV with battery backup as part of the energy profile. A good number of them have geothermal.
1: There you um, go, love that word.
3: Geothermal connected with them as well. So you're you're asking the right question because it's it's not the heat pump itself. It, it that efficiency is great, but where's the energy coming from? And these projects in the buildings of excellence really look at energy profiles that are diversified across renewable energy. The state's trying to transition to a very clean grid, but we can't rely on that solely.
0: Mm-hmm. Got Geothermal it. Geothermal power. I, my um, like my godson's parents had a geothermally uh, powered house, or um, heated and cooled house, and it was it was fine. It was I mean it was very very comfortable all year round. I'm trying to put these pieces together in my own mind here. So, if things are going to go all electric and um, and battery operated cars proliferate, that really. Calls for major, major upgrades in in the grid, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely.
3: This mm-hmm. the commitment to the state is is to transform the grid, and I think right now I'm I, I look at it as that's that's our gap. We are saying that by 2030 and by 2040 we have these targets to meet, and certainly by 2050 to get to net zero. That net zero includes the grid and making that grid completely. Um, uh, off of renewable energy or clean energy grid is a is an incredible task and that's the other part of the market transformation we're seeing um, we're seeing the energy authority transition all across the state and giving opportunity for buildings to produce their own energy or for properties and homeowners and and you know and property owners just to to produce their own energy so we can try to give slack in the grid or or have less reliance purely only on the grid but to have other things come forward like microgrids um or community driven um energy energy sources so it's a really incredible thing to watch and hear about and read about there's a lot of hiccups along the way don't get me wrong but yes you're right on
0: everything we're talking about here has to rely on some of the things that are going to be coming out of that doesn't it it does I, i agree and
3: and um how the governor has put that together in our – we have a, a climate-ready bill that's that's already passed that has some of these numbers that I've been talking about, and how we get there is being funded through some of the federal authority, but also then, of course, uh, state dollars being put at that as well. But it is a major source of, of where the economy and everything's being driven in New York State. We have to get to these numbers. As you and I know that we're seeing this all across the world that we are in trouble. And if we don't take these actions, put the goals out there and try to meet them in the best way possible, we are not going to, we're going to have some se- more serious troubles at the latter half of the century than we're seeing today.
0: Yeah, I agree. I would agree 100%. Okay. Well, let's get into a very, very interesting discussion. Uh, we don't have time to talk about all 14 winners in this round of Buildings of Excellence, but there are some here. There are four that received blue ribbon of design excellence awards in addition to the main the, the main award, and um, maybe you can break those down for us so we can, everybody or our audience can have a better understanding of what this is all about. Can we take the sure. high bridge entry first?
3: Sure, happy to. Mm-hmm. I'll go through a couple of these. Um, the hybrid entry. So as you'd mentioned, these are these are multifamily um, buildings, and this is a great example. And the Bridge project is located in the Bronx, uh, as part of the five boroughs of New York City, and it was awarded uh, the one million dollar Buildings of Excellence award, along with uh, the a blue ribbon uh, uh, blue ribbon panel recognition for its combination of extraordinary design with the high performance. And this is a, a new, a brand new building that's fully electric. Um, it's it's a mixed use building with supportive and affordable housing transitional family housing and it also has a treatment center and it's aimed at improving the lives of up to 1000 new yorkers um it uses a state-of-the-art heat pump hot water heater as well as um a, a waste heat recovery system which is called a, a vrf heat pump mm-hmm. and um energy recovery ventilators it has a solar energy system it has cooling centers connected to a battery or generator uh, or generator. Uh, that they're planning on and it's to keep the cost down the facade or the outside of the building they did a prefabricated panel um, system and located a rooftop garden as well as an urban farm on the site so if you put all of those things together we're we're really talking about an extraordinary building that hits a lot of things for these at-risk new yorkers
0: hasn't some of this stuff been done in europe it has, okay.
3: Right. It has definitely, and I think we're taking some notes from all around the world. and And my hope is is that with these extraordinary design teams that have come forward, we're going to begin to export some of our ideology and some of our successes overseas as well. I certainly know that the resilience elements that we brought forward post Sandy, we've been exporting those all across the world um, because the minds that came together to now build resilience um, throughout. Uh, the Northeast, as well as the U.S. So you make a really good point. Um, we have to share this information. We are sampling from a lot of great European examples.
0: Well, not only that, but I mean, uh, what's happening with New York State now is exportable to other areas of the United States, right?
3: Absolutely. And that's what I think it's really great for your listeners. This is, you know, these are these are some great examples. that are concrete examples coming up in New York, but these are applicable all across the U.S., in in large larger communities, medium communities, and some small small communities as well. How oh, about yeah.
0: Parcel Seven?
3: Talking about a, a smaller community, um this is in Rochester, New York. Now, Rochester, you know, for some listeners, is still fairly large. It's a city over a million people. But this this project was on a difficult site. Just think about this kind of strange wedge site. And it received the Buildings of Excellence Award, along with the Blue Ribbon Award, as mentioned. It's a four-story high building with 59 dwellings for low to moderate income residents, but also includes uh, some commercial space at the street level. And the characteristics that were put into this um, uh, really got the jury going. It, it's a it's a it's a beautiful little building. Its heating and cooling are through the air source heat pumps. It has a CO2 based heat pump. Uh, to provide domestic hot water. Um, so trying to get away from those uh, older systems. Um, the, the project also includes enough solar to meet um, the Passive House standard. Um, and it also uses low-carbon materials, um, including battery storage, uh, data communication backup systems, and then meets a whole load of criteria, um, like Department of Energy Zero Energy uh, Ready Home Standard. Um, there's several of them out there.
0: Okay. And then there was Magnolia Gardens, too. And Magnolia Gardens, that, that's a
3: great building. Um, this one is um, is located in Flushing, New York. So this is in Queens. This one really took on uh, some of the issues we face in New York City, the homeless population. This receives support of the Department of Homeless Services. And the project includes 90 apartment units uh, to house of families uh, with children in need of, kind of this kind of shelter. So additional characteristics that earned this this project, um, this Excellence Award from the Blue Ribbon Panel, included um, not just serving the, the low to moderate income residents, uh, but it also includes the, the air source heat pumps that we've been talking about for heating and cooling, the CO2 uh, air source heat pumps for the domestic hot water, but it also is designed to meet Enterprise Green Communities um, 2020 program. That's another certification that is really a community-based, how we reach out and and work with communities. And then, of course, um, it has Energy Star, and it meets the EPA's indoor air quality um, bonuses as well as Passive House. So this is one of those buildings that encompasses a lot of pieces together but but hits those homeless populations that, um, you know, we that, that we we do need great examples of of how to how to integrate folks into society and give them opportunity give them opportunity to um, to have a great life.
0: Okay, and then the fourth one that got the you know walked away with all the all the awards here is Livonia C three, and I think that's upstate yeah. New York, isn't it?
3: uh livonia is actually in brooklyn oh Brooklyn. okay yeah it's in brooklyn so it's it's hitting one of our uh, one more of our our boroughs and you know funny thing is is that the project spread all over the state and there was one i think one awarded project per five boroughs in new york um, city when you look at them all across the state but Mm um yeah this is a great project this is another another mixed-use building with affordable um, rental housing for senior citizens Uh, It also has um, an adult center for um, – it doubles as a community uh, refuge during um, uh, hurricanes and things like that. It's in the Brownsville neighborhood of New York, um, and it's an all-electric building in its planning phase. Uh, This is going to focus on improving community resilience uh, to energy disruptions, which have been part of the history of this neighborhood, brownouts and blackouts. It also – uh, is going to protect against flood related events um, as well as, as the vulnerabilities of the negative health effects of extreme heat. This is another one of those neighborhoods that has a long history of extreme heat events. And so this building meets all of this criteria for an elderly and senior population. And again, this one is equipped with heat pumps, um, similar ones we've discussed in the past, as well as um, solar energy. Uh, on-site energy generation, battery backup for resilience. It has a drought-resistant landscape that's put in uh, for outdoor shading features. So even in the hottest of days um, and and um, lack of rainfall, that the, the the building, the grounds themselves are well ready for uh, what's to come. And and this, this meets Passive House and Enterprise Green Community standards as well. So it's, it's, a, it's an extraordinary building. It's, I wish your listeners could see the images of these buildings because you'll see that these extraordinary buildings, they don't have to look different. In fact, they look really quite beautiful. Um, they're well-designed, and you'd be proud to have any of these in your own community.
0: I've seen them. You know what we'll do? I got from um, Lyserter, I got a, um, a microsite that they did, and uh, all of these buildings that, we just took, that, that Ilya just talked about, the four uh, plus the other 10 are all on that microsite. So uh, that microsite, I don't remember it right off the top of my head now, but we'll put it on, on our Facebook page on social and media. so people can take a look at this stuff. People don't have to wait till 2050. A lot of this stuff should start filtering into the mainstream soon. So for instance, if you're thinking about building a house or you think about putting an addition... Would, you, would, would um, heat pump be a desirable way to go with maybe some solar backup?
3: I think that's, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. You know, the best thing about what we're seeing is this market transformation in places like New York. You're seeing it in Virginia and parts of Florida and places. It's driving the market um, to a place where higher efficiencies, better equipment, and the know-how from the builder are all elevating to a place where the cost and competition for that work is is very, is very getting to be much more affordable. So to your point, if someone is really looking at that kind of addition or a transformation of their own current home, you should really be looking at this technology because this is, is what's coming up now. And it's been around for a while, as, as Kevin mentioned, but we're seeing it in a different light today. And if you really couple that with the source of energy, solar panels um Uh or or other other renewable you're in great shape and you will also see that in your monthly bills that transformation is is really great
0: yeah so all this stuff isn't automatically going to happen in 2025 it's going to start to filter through before then right
1: yeah yeah it has to okay (laughs) it's a good stepping stone to give yeah. people an idea, because there's millions of homes that are already built already. Yeah. So it's a good path for them to take a look at for when they It's redo- a good
0: path for people like Toll Brothers, uh, you know, a lot of big builders in this country to be looking at, like, right now.
1: I can't yeah. see why not.
0: Can you come back next week where we can get into this bigger, broader subject, uh, performance-based codes or PBR?
3: You know, I love that because, quite frankly, I think for your listeners and for, for the U.S., That's, that's a great conversation to have. I would love to talk with you more about that.
0: Well, let's do it. it. Consider yourself booked for next week.
3: (laughs) Well, thanks, Ron. That's great.
0: Yeah. Every time you come on, I always feel smarter (laughs) afterward than I did before. So I really appreciate that for myself. And I'm sure our listeners do too.
3: Well, thank you so much, Ron. Uh, it, it, I I really enjoy talking with you guys. I appreciate the opportunity to spread the word about how we need to move forward collectively, you know, a resilient, sustainable future. It's, it's not going to get there. We're not going to get there without all hands on
0: deck. And yeah. we got to do that. You're right. You're absolutely right. Amen. Looking forward to next week. Hey, Kev, great news on how our listeners can tap into their home equity without taking a loan, making monthly payments, or piling on debt. With Unison, they get up to 17.5% of their home's value to remodel, pay off debt, buy a vacation home, whatever.
1: You have Unison, right?
0: Yep. Paid off medical debt. Unison's terms were perfect for me, especially zero monthly payments for up to 30 years. Zero monthly payments. How do they make money? When you sell your home, you pay them the original co-investment amount plus a percentage of the change in your home's value up to 30 years later. How do we learn more? Go to unison.com backslash YVH, which stands for Your Valuable Home. Again, that's unison.com backslash YVH. Additional terms and conditions apply. Visit unison.com backslash YVH for details.
1: Remember the name ProBia, your single source for professional class, entry doors, storm doors, patio doors, vinyl and wood-clad vinyl windows, vinyl siding, manufacturing. Stone and metal roofing products made with latest technology and honest old world craftsmanship—the Provia way.
0: That's this week's podcast. Your valuable home comes to you every week on the New Pod City Podcast Network, Apple Podcast, and all other
1: popular podcast directories.